A child is irreplaceable. Which brings us to your task. It involves a cop. That's why we want an outsider. Folks, welcome to the Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 189, and today we're going to be talking about the replacement killers. This great and fantastic film stars Yun Fat Chow, Mir Sovino, Michael Rooker, and Jürgen Prochnow. I am host Steve Michaels, and joining me is my very good and dear friend, Ken. What the hell did you do to my passport, Roni? I mean, all I can say is that if you're going to take me out, Steve, make sure that my silver bullets that you show me has something I can read. <laughs> nice. And uh, our other friend that is joining us is uh, is the Reverend Deuteronomy Skaggs. <laughs> Smile. Say flight for prosecution. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh gosh! Well, I'll tell you what, guys. It, it's gonna be it's a it's a leaner show than usual. Our other uh, good and dear friends, uh, Jeff, our favorite red shirt, uh, Muncie, and uh, Mark Bourbon Country Slover is, uh, or they are, I should say, bad English, are unavailable this weekend for the show because they had other engagements. But uh, you know what? You still have a uh, a dynamic trio for this great and fantastic film. Well, I think if you look back over our history, you'll see that three is about the average number yeah. Yeah. per podcast. It is. You know, Ken, you're kind of right. Actually, we've we got new, a little bit of new personnel, but three is about it. Because we've done a lot with two and a lot with four and a whole lot with three. You're correct. So anyway, uh, guys, we're going to be talking about the replacement killers. And this is a... Oh gosh, 1998 movie, I believe. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, way back in the day, almost 20 years old, believe it or not. And uh, again, I don't have the official I am, or I'm sorry, I don't have the official Man Cave movie review intro to this because uh, you know Deb's in semi retirement. I have to, you know, try to save up royalties to get her back into the show, but uh, the official IMDb intro to this great and fantastic film is uh, uh, failing to kill anymore because of his conscience, a troubled hitman seeks aid from a forger to help him get his papers to China. However, the drug lord that employed him has hired replacements to finish the job and kill the hitman. So, you know, that's pretty much your background. And, uh, again, full disclosure, guys, I've never seen this before. I know I've told this before, but for the audience, uh, my first viewing. Ken, I believe this is also your first viewing? Yes. Okay. And, um, I, I mean, I've got some thoughts I want to lay out later on into the show. But, you know, overall, I, I got kind of a, um, in the very beginning, a lot of the music, a lot of the movements and stuff like that, I almost got a very Matrix feel to this movie. And I thought it was kind of cool, but, um, you know, it, it, as the whole movie progressed, the dialogue was, 
was was pretty bad because the sound clips I got for this is wow. Th- these might have been, I have to admit, probably some of the worst ones I've ever had to pick up because I was really reaching to find decent clips to play for this. Because this, I, the thing of it is, because this movie is so full of action. There's very little dialogue. It is a lot of action. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, it, I mean, it's a good movie for looking for the action. If you're looking for good acting, good dialogue, this ain't the movie to go to. But, uh, Brian, I know you have seen this before. I, you know, you're a fan. I, I, opening thoughts. What do you think? Well, I, uh, you know, Muncie is, is a fan of Hong Kong cinema just in general. And, and this kind of came up in a conversation a few weeks ago. And I actually haven't seen a lot of Hong Kong cinema, but, but I am a fan of, of, of Japanese stuff, even, even well done Japanese anime. Uh, but Cho Yun Fat was famous, uh, for some time. He was 44 when he did this movie. This was his introduction to, to the States. And later, obviously, he, you know, he became much better known with, uh, Crouching Tiger, uh, Oh gosh, um, hidden, hidden dragon. dragon. Yes, um, and uh, but this was this was you know John Woo who directed a lot of his movies actually produced this, and it was directed by uh, oh my um, oh gosh he did Antoine Fuqua. Yeah, he did Trading Day. Brian, seriously, I, I messed his last name. It's Fuqua. Yeah, it, and this was his, this was his first movie. Uh, so uh, I saw it when it came out. I uh, I, I had heard of Cho, Cho Yun Fat, you know, just you know, as an actor previously. I wanted to see it. <laughs> I, I kind of liked the genre. Uh, it didn't hurt that Mira Savino was in it, obviously, but uh, but I liked it. I mean, I liked it enough that I actually bought the DVD, and I don't I don't necessarily do that. Uh, and I you know, I own the DVD to it. Uh, and and again, it, this was Fuqua's first movie. You know, he's admittedly he's been a little erratic in some of the movies. He's done some some dogs but he's done some pretty good movies as well uh but this was this was his first movie uh it was and it was a little surprising and interesting that you know this is kind of a big bite to take i mean to try to do uh hong kong action really for the first time in the states with their biggest star and with their biggest director being the producer was i, I honestly I'm, I'm surprised the first time director how he got a hold of this you know this 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 job if you will so but well i mean i i would agree i mean it i think it was i think when it first came out i i think it kind of rocked the box office i mean obviously you know if you look at the you know at the box office uh receipts on this it it did very well you know obviously having mira savino in there uh she's you know definitely uh she's definitely a looker i mean without a without a doubt mm-hmm. But the thing of it is, is that, I don't know, it just seemed like there was, I mean, did you almost get like an 80s vibe out of this? I mean, this was almost 2000s. No, that, all- that actually is a thing that I, when I was watching this, it very easily could have been, I mean, in terms of the music and the look and yeah. everything, it felt late 80s. Yeah. I mean, it felt like something Arnold would have been doing back in those days. Thank you. That is how I felt. I mean, there were parts of it that, like in the very beginning, in the very beginning of it, I almost got like this Matrix feel. And then next thing you know, just like you said, Ken, I almost felt like I was in one of those cheesy Arnold movies from like the late 80s, early 90s. That's what it almost transitioned to. 
Which well, is, I think, is, a really I mean, good point. This is, again, it's John Woo is producing it. Right. And John, I mean, you, you, if you're a fan of Hong Kong cinema, I mean, he's the man. Right. And, but, you know, when this movie came out, he had not done any real work in America. He was just, you know, Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And so this was an attempt to, you know, merge the two, you know, systems and merge the two looks. Uh, it's, it, it's truly is a, it's a collaboration. It's a multinational collaboration. And they've got, you know, people from around the world. I mean, again, Jurgen Prochnow's in here. I mean, he's, he, he, Jurgen Prochnow does a good heavy, by the way. Right. You know it. Uh, but it is a unique look and feel. And like you said, I mean, I will have to say dittos to your thing that it, this is not a movie for dialogue or story. It's action and. Lots of fights, lots of shootouts. I mean, one after another. But that's what Hong Kong was known for back in those days. Right. Yeah, it, yeah that was the genre. I mean, I mean, and and Cho Yun Fat basically had played the same character he played in, gosh, four or five other movies where he was the the hitman with a conscience. Um, and it, again, he's playing. There's three or four movies that he, you know, is known for, and he's playing the same guy effectively, although to a new audience. What surprised me a little bit about the movie was why in the world, it, 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 if John Woo is producing it, why didn't he just direct it? <laughs> because he brought some of the cast. I mean, some of the cast were people that he directed before. And so it was almost a surprise he didn't do that. Um, now, Steve, actually, you mentioned that it made some money. It actually was considered kind of a box office flop to an extent. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Yeah, it was. And, uh, and the critics, to be honest, it was really, it was not generally, uh, uh, it, it was, they were fairly critical of it, if you will. Uh, I mean, some folks, in fact, some folks said that, uh, uh, it's like somebody had, the, the screenplay writer had watched, uh, Hong Kong action, but hadn't really transplanted it onto the screen. And, and I don't really, I don't really know what that meant, to be honest, uh, because again, Cho Yun Fat played Cho Yun Fat. He was 44 at the time. He was, he was no longer a kid anymore, uh, even though he's a pretty youthful looking guy. Uh, but, uh, but this was, I think, as far as I know, this was the first real rep- representation of that in this country. Uh, so it was, it was, you know, kind of new, although, you know, there were, I've always been fans of it. And I'm sure that they, you know, went to this thing in droves. Uh, well, but, you know, let me ask you this, uh, Brian, because, I mean, did you get the same thing? Cause I don't know if you've seen The Matrix. I, I have. Here's, there are, there are parts of the, for example, I love the, the city shots and the tops of building shots. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I, I, uh, I even, and I know this sounds, you know, like, like heresy, but, but at the end where the, you know, he's killed the bad guy and it's raining, I'm sitting there going, Hey, that's a little touch of Blade Runner there right. almost at the end. Yes. But, but according to Fuqua, he was trying to make taxi driver. Now, wow. I, 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 I'm not sure how, you know, he, he didn't, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not seeing it, you know, I'm not seeing the connection, but that's what he said his goal was with this movie. Uh, well, I mean, it's hard for me to see that because I mean, it's probably been 20, 25 years since I saw a taxi driver. So, which there's a reason for that. <laughs> I mean, that's not, that's not an easy movie to watch. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen it to be honest. Oh yeah. Well, it's Yeah. I mean, it's one of those movies you have to see it, and then it's kind of like Deliverance. You got to watch it once, and then you're done. 
Mm-hmm. That's it. I ain't watching that again. But, um. But it, it's funny you talk about the lack of dialogue. When I watched it on my DVD, and I, I, I don't think I had any special button turned on, I was getting, it was writing, it, the words were showing up on screen while the people were speaking, and I'm assuming it's because sometimes it's just hard to hear it. Um, well, well, I'll tell you what, there were, there were times when, uh, Young Fat Chow is talking, I'm like, I have no idea what you're saying. And oh, I, I hate to say it, I, I've got to mirror you there. It's yeah. Just, there's, there's a bunch of stuff, especially towards the beginning of it, where I was having a tough time after to pause and play back, figuring out what, what the heck are they saying? Yeah. And, and he's, he's speaking English. They have not subtitled it. So it's like, I really don't know what he just said there. Mm-hmm. So again, I don't know if he is, um, I mean, I have no idea if the man is fluent or not. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming is maybe it was the accent, but I mean, there were other times I could understand him, but there were, there were a few times he would say something. And it's like, and then like mirror severe respond. I'm like, what did you just say to agree with him or <laughs> do I, I don't know. Okay. What just happened? So, mm-hmm. I mean, there were, there were some of those things there. Um, I thought some of the sound quality was a little bit iffy. And again, I was kind of, it just kind of got me because I remember this movie was like from 98, mm-hmm. but it almost felt like this movie was like from the early eighties. That was the feel I got out of it. I mean, do you guys agree or? Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I, I know Ken indicated he kind of feel that way. felt that way. I, I don't know that I, I don't know. I mean, I liked the cinematography personally. I liked okay. it. Uh, it was appealing to me. Now, maybe I'm locked in the 80s. I'm certainly locked in the 70s, but, uh, uh, but, you know, maybe that's it. But I, but I liked it. I liked the soundtrack. Uh, I, I, I actually, I don't think I own a soundtrack, but, and, cause I do buy soundtracks if I like a movie, particularly action soundtracks, but, but I thought it was a pretty good, uh, pretty good soundtrack, frankly. So I, I'll jump in on there with you and the, the cinematography, the setting up of the scenes, the camera work and all, I thought it was, you know, very well done. If anything, it was, I mean, the phrase I'm going to use is garish in terms of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they were setting this up, they were evidently very conscious on putting various colors to dominate scenes. So you've got you know, backlighting and washes and tinting and things of that sort, which I think that's a part of what Steve's talking about it, you know, having an 80s sort of look, uh, and also the matrixy sort of look where, I mean, there's a bunch of scenes where it's like sort of a green overcast everything, which is sort of a, you know, mm-hmm. sign of the, uh, the matrix. Uh, but here they were doing different colors, different splashes of color. Uh, and a part of it because so many of the scenes are filmed in dark, dark places. So it's good that they sh- threw in a, a shot of color here and there to jazz it up. Right. Well, one of my favorite, uh, animated shows of all time is Ghost in the Shell, which is, uh, it's Japanese. And, uh, I, uh, and, and they love these kind of back city shots, rainy shots, uh, strange, you know, I, I mean, I recognize this is, this is Hong Kong. It's not Japan, but I had, I had a real feeling that I was watching Ghost in the Shell, which is kind of it's cyberpunk basically, but I had a real strong feeling I was watching Ghost in the Shell live action. Uh, I really did. I, I, 
I saw a lot of relationships between those way those again I I consider that some of the best anime that's ever been done Ghost of the Shell, but I I I, uh, I I I could see that in this movie, frankly. Speaking of which, I mean I, I'm just going to take this off on a tangent. Did I see somewhere where they're going to do a live action Ghost in the Shell with Scarlett Johansson? Yes, as lead. It's caused a lot of controversy. Wow. Because they, I don't know if it's Johansson, but I think it was, uh, and it, that has caused controversy amongst, uh, uh, fans of the show because they thought it should have been somebody of, of, uh, well, somebody, you know, Japanese. Um, but, but, uh, but yeah, they are doing it. I don't know when it's due out, but they are doing it. Okay. I thought I'd heard that. A lot of the Japanese anime, I mean, I, there was a, there was actually, there was a live action movie put out last year that had, uh, oh my God, what's, I love the guy. Um, oh shoot. He was in Aliens. Uh, he, he was the, uh, the, the cyborg. What's the actor's name? I, I, oh, Lance Her- Hendrickson. Lance Hendrickson. Yeah. And, and, and it was, it was interesting to look at, but it was just god awful. And, uh, and again, it was somebody who had been a very successful director of animated type shows, but it just didn't translate very well to a live action. It was mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful, but the story was just horrific. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, guys, let's talk a little bit about the actors. I don't know really, well, other than like, uh, Michael Rooker, I mean, I've seen him in a shit ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, I, uh, Mira Savino, I think this is like the first movie I've ever seen her in. Um, really? Yeah. That, well, what else has she been in? Oh, she's been in a ton of movies. Oh, I know I mean, she's back been- in the 90s. She was. She won an Oscar, didn't she? I, I, yeah, well, she's been, yeah, and she's been really like she cranks out about a movie a year. Oh, I know she's out there. I know she's busy. I'm just trying to. I'm looking through. Um, well, lately she's on TV. I think she was on that that alien TV show that was on TNT. Holy, or, holy crap! I am exactly three years older than her. In terms of her movies that like are on my radar screen, uh, the first one that. Uh, I mean, I, I'm going to throw it out here that, like, I almost think we should review it sometime. I like this movie. It's sort of a guy movie in a way. She did a movie back in a, a few years before this called Barcelona. Well, she was just a supporting character. I mean, it's a major supporting character, but a supporting character. But Barcelona is just about two American cousins in Barcelona in the 80s. And it's, mm-hmm. like, it's a it's a fun little movie. Uh She did Mighty Aphrodite, which was a... a uh, yeah. Oh shoot. Woody Allen, uh, production. She's the star of it. Uh, got rave reviews. It's a, it's a good movie. Uh, Justin and Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion, which was a comedy a few years mm-hmm. later in the late nineties, but it's a, it's a good commentary on the whole high school reunion going back, you know, yeah. people judging you and all that. That was a, like a year before replacement killers. After, she, uh, she was in Gods and Generals. Oh yeah, which actually that movie kind of stunk. It was, a great, it, 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 it was not Gettysburg. No, yeah, no, it wasn't. It, it, yeah, it's like it had all the elements of Gettysburg, but <laughs> nah. some critical piece missing. <laughs> but no, you know, if you look at her filmography, she she's a very I mean very busy actress. She uh, is busy to this day very very attractive woman. And in the early nineties, I mean, she, I mean, in the nineties in general, that was her 
golden age. That mm-hmm. was her peak. Well, I'm looking at a picture of her from last year, and like I said, I am exactly three years older than her, and I'm like, wow, she is. Uh, she's she's better like, looking than you, is what you're saying. What's that? Better looking than you. Damn right. Yes, she is a fine looking woman. She is. She is very attractive. My she is I'm going to say this. This is okay. This is me. <laughs> Judge me as you will. Here we go. In this movie, she's not hot enough to get to do the stuff she's doing. What do you mean? I mean, <laughs> the way people react to her, it's like she is an ultra hottie. She's a hottie, but she's not an ultra hottie. I don't know. She's she's pretty freaking hot. <laughs> I'm 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 just saying. Okay, and we do have to mention her her. She got her started in Hollywood because she's Hollywood royalty. Her her father is Paul Sorvino. He is, yes. Who was prominently featured in many, many, many movies, mostly as a mob boss. Yes. Oh my she, gosh, she's married to a guy that was born when I actually started high school. That that that's terrible. Well, like, she's a she's a bright cookie. I mean, she graduated magna cum laude, Harvard. Uh, speaks Mandarin. Uh, whatever. Taught ta- you know overseas. Uh, in China. So no matter what you say, Brian, he's now going to just be depressed of the fact that some yeah. dude that is 20 years younger than him. Try 30. <laughs> Move on. Continue. Well, is, fight, fight somebody else to talk about. Cougars, cougars roam the plains. Son of a bitch must pay. <laughs> now, so, the one thing I couldn't figure out in the movie is I'm like, well, when, when did it become stylish to, Wear a blouse with your bra open all the time. I I just couldn't quite figure that one out. I don't know. I find that attractive <laughs> at any uh, generation. It, it was. Uh, it, it was everyone do it every day. Yeah, I mean, it was. I liked it, but I'm like, I don't think I ever saw this style. Maybe I missed it. <laughs> was it when you became married? <laughs> <laughs> we just we just it's that automatic avert your gaze, don't look. Yeah. Well, turn the screen harder. We talked a little bit about Chow Yun Fat, but actually, I have not seen that much of his work. I mean, do you guys have any thoughts about him? I mean, in this movie or in general? Okay, guys, can I just like do a real quick pause? Are we completely foobarring his name? Because according to the IMDb page and everything I said, it's Yun Fat Chow, not Chow Yun Fat. I, I, th- I think that has to do. <laughs> with the way the language is supposed to, but 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 he is not. I mean, he is referred to as Cho Yun Fat. That's what people really? refer to him as. Yeah. So we have uh, to reverse it. Well, I mean, no. If you see, if you go to the IMDb, go to Wikipedia. It's it's flipped the way you're saying it. But and again, I don't understand the way the language. I, I don't get it. You know. No, uh, I'm looking at it on IMDb, and it says stars Yun Fat Chow. But then look after his name and the the character name. I'm looking, yeah, I'm looking at Wikipedia as Chow Yun Fat. Holy I shit, look at that. Steve, no. This speaks oh. very highly of you as a person because with <laughs> yeah. your general xenophobic, <laughs> you know, contempt for foreign languages and names, the fact that you're actually putting some attention and consideration amazes me. He's, he's a you caring know, human being. I am. You know what? I stand corrected. Uh, continue. <laughs> Holy shit. That's the second time I've actually 
They had to. Never mind. Go ahead. Wow. No, Chad. I mean, when I look, when you look at what he's done, he was very active in Hong Kong cinema going back to the seventies. Yeah. And cranked out a ton of three or four, you know, two or three or four a year, all through the you know seventies, eighties, nineties. Uh, generally, this kind of again, it's it's action movies. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what they were known for. They weren't known for you know deep dramas or something. It was mainly action. Uh, I mean, I know people that are very into Hong Kong cinema. I cannot say that I am. I've watched this and that, and it's good stuff. I mean, they put a lot of good stuff out of China, out of uh, Hong Kong. But uh, you know, by about. This time frame, they, I mean, he, it's, he got recognized in this country. He's, you started seeing him in various, you know, multinational productions and such. Uh, but, I mean, he's an action star. That's what he is. I, I mean, he, th- this was his introduction to America. He's a very charismatic guy. I mean, obviously what he's as famous for is, well, I'll get into that in a minute, but, but, uh, you know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Uh, I don't know. Did somebody get nominated for an Oscar in that? Maybe him. I don't know, but somebody did. Uh, he did other things, Bullet, Bulletproof Monk, and in The King, which was a box office flop. You know, that's, you know, the old, uh, you know, God, how long ago was that movie done? Back in the fifties, you know, originally. Uh, but he, it, ultimately, ultimately he didn't quite, you know, he, he wasn't the box office boon here that he was overseas. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I, I like, I like him in the movie. I think he's very charismatic. Uh, what he's famous for is the whole ballet of gunfire. <laughs> I mean, right. he, I mean, and you can see it in the movie. I mean, there's, there's some, some staged moves that he did and that, and I particularly like, there's one coordinated movie he and Servino did in the first fight scene where they, you know, it, it's literally, it's like a waltz, you know, where they kind of go past each other, they're shooting in different directions. And again, that, that's Hong Kong action stuff to the hill. You know, that, that is it. And, uh, and, uh, Muncie was talking last week about it, how the fact that the guy has never been trained in, in weapons or anything like that. And it's just kind of, you know, those moves are kind of just natural moves to him. Whereas Sorvino actually spent time gun training, you know, for this movie, as I read somewhere. Right. Well, and you really did get to see that. And like I said, I, I, I don't want to make comparisons, um, you know, to the Matrix, but you get to see a lot of that, which, Almost makes me wonder, were the Corn brothers like completely influenced by Wu? I mean, was Wu really doing enough in, uh, at that time for these guys to, you know, to, to see that? Because you see this a lot in the Matrix. You know, just the movements, the gunplay, everything like oh, that. Oh, the Matrix was totally influenced by Hong Kong cinema. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's chicken and egg, really. I mean, you know, the, the real egg was overseas, frankly. Well, I mean, it just, like I said, I liked it. I, I mean, I thought the action was fantastic. It just seemed, you know, the storyline and it, it just seemed like you, it just was very early eighties, you know, for this movie to have come out literally a year before the matrix, this just looked like it was something from the early eighties and not 98. That was kind of my impression. Um, you know, and again, I mean, a lot of stuff happened. I mean, you're talking, you know, uh, uh, depending on what their budget was and, 
you know, what they had to work with, but it just seemed like this movie didn't have a lot of, um, well, I'll tell you what, it didn't have a lot of CGI. Actually, I don't think there was any CGI in this. Uh, I don't think no. there was. Yeah. So. Now, you, you mentioned some of the actors, uh, the two hit men, Danny Trejo, who yeah. didn't, I don't think either one of them ever spoke a word, by the way. No, they did not. I said Danny Trejo had a line of like, the guy said like, you stay here, and he was like, okay. Well, and he also had a famous line, checkmate, just before, uh, yep. show you on Fat Blue's brains out. <laughs> but so this is a young Danny Trejo. I mean, we're used to Danny Trejo being, I hate to say it, but more aged, more mm-hmm. roughed up by time. Well, Danny Trejo is not a spring chicken. Well, I, I think this is probably right after the trail got out of the slammer because he spent some time in the can, uh, I think when he was younger, if I'm not mistaken. But, well, you uh, think Danny Trey, who was born in May of 19, or he was born May 16th, 1944. So this was 88. So, you know, there you go. He was now, 44. The, 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 I, I, or, I, I still chuckle. Do, the, oh, go ahead. Is my math right? 44, 98? Yes. He would have been 54. 54. So he was 54. Yeah, that's why I don't do math. Yeah, so he was 54 years old in this movie. So, I mean, he was better part of a half a century. So, go figure. I mean, even being in a slammer, the dude still looks good. I could be wrong about that, but I think he was when he was younger. No, Uh, I remember seeing something about that. He He's he's done some time. Now, the funny thing is, the other actor... And I'm looking at this other dude, and I'm like, dude, this guy's a good-looking guy. He could be a leading man. I checked yeah. him out. He's like the most famous actor in Germany. He's like he's he's like the most popular actor in Germany today, and apparently a very successful director. Oh, the Till Schwiger dude? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a big deal overseas. And oh, yeah. uh, I, I did chuckle, though. I mean, I, I'm sitting there going, okay, you, you get off of an airplane, you walk to the airport, you got one guy in jack boots and a leather jacket, and you got the other guy that looks like Danny Trejo. And they step and they go to a locker and they pick up a, a suitcase and they're walking down the, the aisle, you know, walking down the hallway with a suitcase. I'm like, what are these guys except thugs? <laughs> yeah. See that this is it. This is pre two, this is pre, this is pre 2011. These guys would have never made it out of the airport. <laughs> well, first of all, there would have been no lockers for them to get to. Yeah, well, it was a different age. Right. Again, you could it, do a it, whole lot. You know, before 2000, uh, 2001, you could do a whole lot. Right. And that that's the whole thing. When you look back, you're like, why wasn't this shit going on all the time? Maybe it was, and they just didn't tell us. So, but no. I'm going to just put in a plug here. If, if we need to do schlocky action movies, two that pop out of mind right now are Machete. Oh, I know with Danny Trejo. Yep. Or Predators with Danny Trejo. Are you talking about the second one? Both no, of them. it was the one that was out about three years ago. Yeah, I, I yeah. just remember going to see Predators with, uh, Dr. Guy and Brian here. And I was telling him how, well, Adrian Brody started the pianist and got an <laughs> Oscar for it. <laughs> and Paul Brian goes like, Penis? Is it a penis? Penis. Wow. <laughs> I, I've never considered him the most masculine sort. <laughs> but he was in a movie. He did a nice job, I thought, in Predators, by the way. Predators is not a bad movie. For what it is. I, I thought it was pretty good. And again, Machete for a schlock action movie. 
It's that's up there. Hmm. Well, I, we, some, I somehow missed that. Yeah. Well, we have to talk about it. It's got All Lindsay right. Lohan in it. Come on. Oh, there we go. Well, that well, that's definitely going to drive me to go see it. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. Let me uh, throw a little bit of uh, trivia out there. Well, hold not, before we leave this, sure. You commented. You threw out the name Michael Rooker. Oh yeah. Talk about him for a minute, because this is somebody that most of our listeners. I'm sure they know him. They've seen him. They may not know him by name, but they've seen this guy. Oh yeah. And this was like the only movie I've seen where like he's the he's the good, he's the good lead. guy. I wouldn't say he was a good guy. He was a good guy in Cliffhanger. I I didn't see Cliffhanger. Oh, you've never seen that's a good movie too. Cliffhanger's not too bad. Is that the Stallone movie? Yes. Oh, it's got what's Stallone her name? And, uh, oh, shoot, what's her name? Uh, she was in... Uh, oh, yeah, I had the hots Stroger. for her. I, I had the hots for her for a while. Oh, my God, you too? Oh, yeah. What the hell is her name? Shit. J- Janine. Janine. J- J- oh, uh, J- Shaisa. Janine Turner? Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. She's that? a conservative talk show host now, like somewhere in Texas I, or something. I know. She's... Oh, yeah. Yeah, but it, she dyed her hair blonde. She was so... Yeah, what the frick was up great that? Oh, yeah, with that dark hair and the short hair. Oh, my God. Be still my heart. <laughs> yeah, but that was, uh, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a great movie. Cliffhangers, actually, you know what? We actually need to get that on the Man Cave movie. And that is the one time we actually see John Lithgow playing that's the evil. most evil. And, and I'll tell you, <laughs> I mean, when you think of John Lithgow, you always think of him in all these Really fatherly, and you see him in this movie, you're like, oh my God, how do you, how did you become so bad? And that was actually a thing that creeped me out about the movie because I remember seeing him in all these movies before, and you're like, oh my God, he's a bad guy. And he's not just a bad guy, he's enjoying being a bad guy. Who, great movie. So, Brian, if you've never seen it, go see it. Okay. But enough about Cliffhanger. Let's get on to, oh, other Michael Rooker movies. Uh, what else? Uh, oh, he was a, he, what he just in Guardians of the Galaxy last year. He was in Guardians of the Galaxy. He was actually in three seasons of, um, uh, The Walking Dead. He was Daryl's brother. Yep. Oh, yeah. Got his hand cut off. Or he chewed his hand off or sawed it off or whatever. But yeah, he was in, uh, he was in that. He was in. Was he in 48 Hours? No. Uh, well, he might have been, um, like a bit part or something like that, but I do remember him from, um, oh Christ, what was that damn Tom Cruise movie? Days of Thunder. He was in that. Oh yeah. So. He played the Dale Earnhardt character. That's basically who it was. Uh, there you go. So yeah, Michael Rooker, I mean, he, and he's kind of got, I mean, he's one of those guys where he could do voiceover work because as soon as you hear that voice, boom, you know who it is. He's good. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've always liked his work. Yeah. I mean, he's a good actor, a good, solid actor. The guy is still cranking out stuff. I mean, the guy still is. Um, he was yeah. in Tombstone. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He was one of the. Um, was? Yes, he was in Tombstone. He was actually one of the, uh, what the hell, the, uh, the cowboy. He was one of the cowboys that ended up turning. Oh, yeah. And went to. Uh, and cited with Wyatt. And like, like Turkey Creek Johnson or yeah. something like that? Yeah, Turkey. Yeah, I think. No, it was in Turkey Creek. He was, uh, I can't remember the uh, character's Jack. name. Jack. But, yeah. He, he was Sherman McMasters. 
yeah, McMasters. Yeah, yeah. So, by the way, talk about a movie that is an homage to. There, there are so many guys in that in Tombstone that you don't even notice that were in sixties, seventies West TV westerns that you don't even that you hadn't seen in twenty or thirty years. But they had a lot of those guys playing parts in that movie. Maybe not of note, but they were in that movie. Interesting. All right. Cool. All right. Well, there you go, guys. Uh, I just wanted to hit some trivia before we move on to uh, you know the rest of the show. But uh, and there's not much here. But uh, let's see. Number one. Uh, the movie set the record for the most bullets fired in American film. And again, this was, uh, from 1998. So I'm thinking we might have surpassed that with some other movies. But, uh, uh, Brian, from what you were saying, Mir Servino speaks fluent Mandarin Chinese. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yun Fat Chow, or Chow Yun Fat, is Cantonese Chinese native speaker, but can also speak some Mandarin. Servino was able to help translate um, uh, for Chow, who was learning to speak English at the time, which explains a lot of my lack of understanding of the things he said. Um, it is uh, Chow Yun-Fat's first American film. Also the first American film for Till Schweiger, who was already a major movie star in his native Deutschland. Mm-hmm. That's Germany for you people that don't speak Deutsch. A uh, number of words, his character... One of the uh, main replacement killers that he speaks is zero. He speaks no lines. Yeah, I don't remember saying a single word. Nope, nope, he just dies badly. But uh, he sprayed a lot of lead. He sure did, and I think he contributed to that uh, number of uh, bullets shot in the movie. Let's see, Mariv- Sorvino took the role in the film at the behest of then-boyfriend Quentin Tarantino. Wow. Talk about a guy that was influenced by Hong Kong action. In fact, uh, I, I read that, uh, that, oh my God, Reservoir Dogs was basically, there was a, there was a movie like that that Fat had done. I think it was a, I think it was a, I think it was a, a Wu film that basically absolutely inspired Reservoir Dogs as I understand it. Hmm. See, here, here's the difference between Brian and I. I'm still trying to go to the fact that a, Totally hot babe hooks up with Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> yeah, Brian throws out. Oh, by the way, on the side note of trivia. Well, keep, keep I, in mind, my entire life is consists of me sitting around watching smoking hot chicks hanging out with slugs. And me just going like, what the f- <laughs> They pay. They pay you well for that. <laughs> no, you just you, see. That's the thing. You just got to move in and take. You know, you have to mark your territory. Okay, no. let me. Okay, uh, let's see. Mir Sarvino took the role of the film at the behest of then boyfriend Quentin Tarantino, <clears throat> who told her she had to work with Hong Kong legend Chow Yun Fat. So there you go. All right, let's see. In the music that plays over the introduction of the replacement killers as they walk through the airport terminal, the female voice that heard singing is the actress Claire Trevere singing Moan Low from the film Key Largo, 1948. Well, that, that means nothing to me. So, um, Here, here's an interesting side fact. The, uh, there you go. The heavy, Kenneth Chang, Tasang, or how do you say that? 
I mean, obviously, he again, he's an import as well. He's an architect by training and got his degree in the States and became an actor. But just one of those little quirky things I get a kick out of. Wow. Well, speaking, speaking of quirky things, we didn't really even talk about Jürgen Prock now. We did not. No. Right. I mean, he deserves a comment or two. He, sure. Yes. I mean, I mean, he, I mean, in this movie, he plays the number two heavy, but he, Jurgen Prochnow does a good job playing heavy. Well, go ahead, Brian. Prochnow to me is, is one of those guys, when I say it's Saul Dosboot, and I'm thinking like, this guy is off the charts. And then I think not long after that, or either before or after that, he did Dune, which I, I may be the only person in America that likes, uh, but he was the lead, played uh, Duke of Treaties, I believe, in that. And I just thought this guy is 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 Schwarzenegger s, not physically, but in terms of charismatic guy. Obviously, has the accent, and it just seemed like he went from just basically playing from those roles where he was clearly the lead. And, and again, Das was just an incredible movie. Uh, and but it, then it seems like the rest of his career has just been basically kind of playing heavies. I'm not, I don't think I've seen him play a good guy, you know, since then. And maybe I'm wrong. But. Well, no, I think you're right. I think part of it is, is that, um, not to get political or anything, but I think when they, when Hollywood wants to get a bad guy, you've <laughs> got to get the German Aryan looking guy with the very thick accent to, you know, just, just saying. That's kind of the. It's, it's definitely a tiebreaker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the guy's kind of typecast. I mean, I've seen him in other stuff that he has not been. Like you said, Dune. There was another movie. Um, oh gosh, it's it's pretty old. Seventh Sign. Or actually, he. Without looking, at it, I mean, he basically plays Jesus. Hmm. Uh, if you've never seen the Seventh Sign. Kevin. Well, because when you, when you're first watching the movie, you're not sure who he is. You actually think he's the bad guy, and it turns out he's not. Um, but yeah, pretty much the movies you see him in, other than that, Das Boot, anything I've ever seen him in, yeah, he's pretty much like you said, the heavy. Well, I, I've just drawn a few movies that, uh, I think are interesting for him. He wasn't Judge Dredd. Now we reviewed Dread. Oh my gosh, I forgot but about him. In that. Judge Dread, the, the Sylvester Stallone version of the comic book movie, he he had a good role in that. I mean, he did a good job for what it is. He was an English patient. I mean, say what you want, it's, it's a you know, it's not a, it's a it's a chick flick, but it was a good movie, and uh, in my opinion, I enjoyed it, and uh, he did a fine job there. He actually was in a movie called Sea Arnold Run, which is a biography of Arnold Schwarzenegger where he portrayed Arnold Schwarzenegger. Hmm. Wow. And I'm just going to put in a plug for that 10-year-old movie, which I've mentioned before, Beer Fest, which <laughs> one of these days we ought to review. <laughs> I can't believe that. Beer Fest, take a look at it. He's in it. I can't believe it's 10 years old already. It seemed like it just came out a year ago. You, you've seen Beer Fest, Brian? No, I haven't. I wanted to. It just looked like one of those kind of movies I would get a kick out of, but I have not seen it. it it's it's a stupid movie. It's stupid comedy, but I enjoyed it. 
Oh, wow. All right, guys. Well, there you go. Um, if I may, I want to talk just about the director just for a second. Uh, Antoine Fuqua. Fuqua. I'm sorry. Uh, this was his first mm-hmm. effort. Uh, the man has done some very good work. Replacement Killers of 98 was his first show. He did Training Day. Yep. Which, I mean, have you guys got anything to say about Training Day? <clears throat> Never seen I don't, it. I don't think I've seen it all the way through in one setting. I've seen it in bits and parts. And I, what, I know. It, it, what's it's a, it's a, it's a kind of a tough, rough, you know, police drama. <clears throat> then a couple years later, in 2004, he did this movie called King Arthur. <laughs> yeah, dog. Oh, wow. That he's done some decent ones, too. <laughs> yeah, we, we that... talked about King Arthur. King Arthur, as everyone knows, is my <laughs> sine qua non. Suck it to. Nice. Uh, he did Shooter, which Shooter was a solid movie. He did Olympus has fallen. Oh my! Did the Equalizer a few years ago? Okay, Washington. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just going to stop you right there. Olympus has fallen. Wow. Jeez. Wait to hear. Wait to hear what he's doing, Ken. It it was the like Olympus has fallen. Oh my God! Let's see. Um, that is my King Arthur. Oh. Oh, really? It's. I've heard good things about it. No. No? No. No. It, it's not been well thought of. He did. No. Hey, he did Tears of the Sun. Tears of the Sun is not bad. It's not that, bad. That's actually, but, but, oh. I went and saw that with Mark at the theater. I'll tell you what, Olympus is following. I remember sitting there going, I'm like, God, if I could have actually got a refund from Netflix on that, I would have called him. Oh, I think I've put in a plug. I think we need to review the Equalizer sometime. I like it. I would do it. Denzel well, Washington? Shit, I'll watch anything he's in. Tell Steve what he's going to be doing, Ken. Here we go. Uh, he's doing the Magnificent Seven. I'm, out you know what? Months. We're done. <laughs> that, that, I, I refuse. You know, what is this? The fourth fucking remake of this movie? I'm done. No, no. They, they never made a, a pure remake no. of Magnificent Seven. No. Now, the Magnificent no. Seven was a remake. No. Of Seven a Japanese Samurai. Of a, uh, Seven Samurai. movie. Okay. Or was it Ronin you know, or the 40, no. Yeah. Seven Samurai. Okay. So that, okay. So second generations on, that's why I'm not watching it. <laughs> no, I refute. No, I'm done. I'm done with, all right. You may say you're done with remakes, but remakes are not done with you. Well, I will just say this. Um, Full disclosure, pardon the the French, but you know what? I am fucking done with reboots. I I, I just can't take the reboot shit anymore. I'm done. (coughs) That's it. That's my rant. All right. Steve will not be watching any more movies anymore. (laughs) You know what? Because Hollywood is incapable of making uh, new Movie. Oh my God! It, I mean, seriously, the Magnificent Seven again. This is like how many? All right, that whatever. Oh, well, they had sequels back in the seventies. I no, there's sequels and then there's reboots. This is just basically rehashing. Well, I'm not going to get in that argument. 
So, all right. So we're going to move on to uh, hey, Brian. So, when are you and I going to go see the Magnificent Seven? Here we go. <laughs> all right. Sons of bitches must pay. You know what? We're going to move Brian on. And I go to a movie occasionally. We're not against it. All right. All right. Move on. Steve. Yeah, we're moving on. So you know what? Let's move on to something really fun, and that's called Brother. What you drinking? Uh, so uh, you know what, uh, Reverend. Is the Pruno done? You got anything to uh, share with us? No news on the Pruno front, and uh, I, I'm actually I'm just drinking Diet Coke tonight. So oh my boring, God. boring. You're even. <laughs> my God, There's I could have had a great Pruno story, but I just didn't have a chance to put it together. <laughs> so you don't even have anything of the Diet Coke? <laughs> Not my, tonight. My God, you know what? Muncie will never let you live this down. <laughs> Particularly after his blue thunder. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. Um, well, there you go. So uh, Brian's drinking his uh, non-Pruno Diet Coke. I am drinking. Um, I picked this up at the uh, the favorite liquor store today. It's called Molo Co. Milk Stout. It is by my very good and dear friends from the uh, Three Floyds Brewing Company up in uh, Munster, Indiana. The region where I <clears throat> originally hailed from. So, um, I always get, you know, when there's something new and different that those guys put out, I have to go get it. And I'll tell you what, they say it's 8%. I'm thinking they're full of shit. Um, this, this tastes a little bit more than 8%. How's it spelled? What, the beer? Molo Co. I mean, what it have? Molo Co. Is it Finnish or Samoan Island? What what's the deal? Well, I'm thinking they're trying to do some kind of. Um, well, if you look at the bottle, it's kind of like a Asian Thai thing going here, but uh, but no, but the 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 uh, the lettering is M O L O K O, then milk stout. So Molo Co. <laughs> or Molo you say potato, I say potato, so who knows? You say yun fat chow, we say chow yun fat. There's that. So there you go. Um, it's 8%. I think it's bullshit because I think it's a little heavier than that, if you can't tell by my voice, but that's all right. Guys, anything you can get from Three Floyds, um, and for those of you that don't live in Indiana, good luck getting Three Floyds. But, uh, because it's, it's literally impossible to get, but on to the last and certainly not least of the show. It's now time for catching up with Ken. All right, Ken, what do you got, buddy? Well, I, I, last weekend was a Labor Day weekend, so there's a lot going on, uh, Started out, I was at the, uh, met my friend Chris. Chris wanted to hang out at the old Brass Ring Tavern. And so I went down there last Friday night and we were hanging out, just catching up and all. And, uh, uh, Ken, that, that's not a strip club, right? No, but one of these days I'm going to go to the Brass Flamingo before oh. the podcast <laughs> because it is. You could use my pass, Ken. <laughs> You got you got the VIP card, Brian. Yes, I do. Okay, well maybe we need to hook up. 
<laughs> no, to be honest, it's probably been ten years. But, <laughs> but yes, I'm, I'm certainly inspired the location. Yes. Okay, you know what? You know how to get there. Yeah. So yeah. But anyways, uh, I was sitting there, looked up, and then was walking uh, a friend of mine named Amira. Um, Amira was coming in with a posse of her girls, which was, I mean, a thing about her is she's one of the indie roller girls, you know, the roller derby girls. And she came in with her gang and we hung out. And, uh, turns out Chris is a high school classmate of hers. They graduated, went to the same school, graduated together. Sort, it's one of those things where, I mean, a lot of people run into this in high school. I mean, you have various groups in high school, and you would think that everybody in high school knows each other, but it was a big high school they went to. And it's like they're naming off all the people they know, and, like, they knew everybody, and, you know, somehow they didn't know each other, but by the night time that was over, they they were good friends. So, so I know they ended up hanging out. Did they go to L.A. Bombers Prep or what? You know the no, they went to uh, <laughs> uh, what is it? Uh, Southside High School. I'm I'm, I'm Perry Meridian. Um, but anyway, I mean, a thing about this is when you hang out with a roller girl, you know, talking about me, you know, Ken, you know, I'm thinking like, oh, I'm I'm semi manly. I'm kind of tough. But they're going, oh, I broke my ribs here. I broke my femur there and ripped the tendon there. And I just kept going. It's like, okay, okay, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big, whatever. I'm not that tough. Uh, uh, the next night went to Cynthia on the Prairie. Had a nice night out with a group of friends, just hanging out there doing the old Cynthia on the Prairie, you know, wine and cheese and chips and dip and wine and booze and all that stuff. It was a fun night. Uh, Symphony on the Prairie was shutting down. It's, you know, always fun going to Symphony on the Prairie. If you haven't been, I recommend it for you guys. Uh, just curious, have you guys ever been to Symphony on the Prairie? Oh, numerous times. I was doing it back in the old days. Um, actually, that's you know when I first met Mark. Actually, it was one of my first Civil War events. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we used to go That's out. Right. Color and, Guard? Yeah, Color Guard. Yeah. That's always an impressive event. It was. Yeah. So and, I've been there. I mean, I, I'll say this. I mean, Sydney Prairie has movie nights where they do like themes from famous movies and things like that. It's, it's very, very cool. Um, after that, unsuccessfully painted the ceilings in the man cave room here. I got to give it a second coat. Damn it. Uh, Went to the grill, a nice bar up in the Geist area back on Wednesday night. Listen to the Hoodoo Band. Tonight, I went to Metazoa, uh, the brewery that's right next door to my office. Hung out with some coworkers and one of their spouses and then, uh, wound up at the brass ring because Chris wanted to find out some work information. He's interviewing for a job where I work. And so I met him down there and. We talked about stuff and movies, and now I'm here, uh, and I'm drinking Bacardi and rum, Bacardi and uh, diet. Oh, very nice. Very well done. Yeah, I miss Symphony on Prairie. That was always a good time. Well, you need to come. Sometime when I go next year, maybe I'll throw you an invite. <sighs> we should. You want to come and hang out with my crowd. There'd be a, it'd be like the anti-matter, matter conversion from Star Trek. <laughs> Oh my. <laughs> nice. 
Because, you know, I keep trying to get you to hang out with my other gangs I hang with, but you never do. Well, well you did once. Yeah, I'll get back out there. You're a sophisticated dude. You hang in there. I do. Very cosmopolitan. Now, Brian, on the other hand. <laughs> yeah, I'm still kind of fantasizing about meeting a roller derby girl at a bar. So. <laughs> it wasn't a roller derby bar. It was four of them. Yeah, I, I still picture Raquel Welch and Kansas City Bombers. You know, I mean, that's just kind of my thing. In other words, Ken, you can't have him and me in the same room at the same time. <laughs> Raquel Welch and Kansas City Bomber was somewhat attractive, if I recall. Somewhat. Many sleepless nights as a young man because of that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, there you go, folks. That is it. Was- I could keep going from that, but I won't. <laughs> yeah, we won't. And that is it with uh, Brother What You Drinking. It- <laughs> that was a, another fine 70s movie. Brother. All right. Three, two, one. All right, folks. That is it with uh, Brother What You Drinking and Catching Up With Ken. Holy shit. All right. So we're going to. What are we going to do that? Uh, oh, shoot. What was that movie she was in? The Something Something Voyage? Oh, Fantastic Voyage? Fantastic Voyage. We need to do that someday. Yeah. Stephen Boyd, Raquel Welch. Uh, who else was in that? But yeah. Donald Pleasance, wasn't he? I think it was Donald Pleasance, yes. I've, li- I've totally lost control of the show. <laughs> All right. There you go. So we are going to move on to clips. Clips, our favorite part of the show. Uh, let's see. Number one. I, I, guys, uh, forgive me because again, the dialogue in this movie is not that great. But here, do you have 15 minutes of clips of automatic weapons? (laughs) That's pretty much what we're going to have here. There's about three seconds of clips and a lot of automatic weapons. But here we go. Number one. It's a little unusual for a girl of that age to be in that much trouble, don't you think? Well, I've always considered myself a feminist pioneer. (laughs) All right. There you go. That's number one. All right. Number two. And, you know, four years of work are down the drain because you picked my door to walk through. Go to Eddie. What for? For help. You must be kidding. I'm not going anywhere with you. You're like a walking goddamn bullseye. See, and that goes back to the thing. I have no idea what um, Yin Chao Fat said there. Well, I'm going to say that she had a pretty sweet computer set up. And back in 1998, if I had that, I would have just been, you know, the shit. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. All right, let's see. Number three. Obviously, this situation has nothing to do with me. So I'm just going to walk out that door and pretend I never saw anything. I'm sorry, Meg, but you're in a little too deep. You picked the wrong partner. Partner? No, 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 wait. I'm his hostage. You know, Proc now follows up with the next line and says something along the lines of, well, hostages often, you know, yeah. <laughs> basically hostages die as often as not or something like that. Right. So. <laughs> right. All right. Let's see. Next. Another problem, Mr. Cogan. John was lucky. It won't last. Don't confuse luck with skill. I don't know. My wife's told me that a few times. But anyway, uh, let's see. Next one. You know, you could have saved yourself a lot of trouble just by doing that third job. What's wrong? And, guys, just so you know, part of it is that you hear that, like, brooding music in the background with the heavy bass. Mm-hmm. It That's what is, that's why these sound, the, the clips sound the way they do. Because, I mean, it's almost hard to hear it even in the regular, uh, oh, the movie. I- 
And that's also part of what makes you feel like you're back in the 80s. Right. Yes, exactly. It it reminded that it's, can you hit it? That's what made me realize this sounds like a 1985 movie. So, all right, uh, next. I've spent whole days thinking about that one thing, that one good deed that's going to wipe out all the shit that I've done. You ever feel like that? So you didn't want to shoot a kid. Welcome to the human race. Yeah, and I, I've got to say that, you know, at its core, that's what this movie is all about. I mean, right. he's given a contract to kill a little kid. It's like, I don't want to kill a little kid. Right. Exactly. But that's a hitman working for the big mobster. You don't want to tell him, nah, don't want to do your job for you. All right. Last and certainly not least. Boy will die, John. As well as your family. Not in your lifetime. It's not a bad line if you can hear it. Yeah, well, that's just it. The the, and that is part of the problem with this movie is, I don't know if it was sound editing or whatever, but I mean there were other movies during this period of time where the sound editing was so much better, and this one was it was pretty bad. It was very hard to hear what was going on. Just saying. Well, and, the, the, the sound editing was poor. I mean, yes. like I said, when I when I watched the movie again on my DVD. I, the the words were coming up, so, so basically you could understand what the hell they were saying. Uh, I mean, you know, it was coming across the screen, and I'm like, well, I don't have this turned on, or you know, this isn't in Cantonese. You know, I don't need the translation. No, they still had the words coming across the screen because I think they figured out that hell, you can't hear what they're saying. Right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go, folks. That is it with um, well, that's it with brother. What you drinking and uh, clips. So we're now going to move on to our other favorite part of the show, and that is uh, the Man Cave Movie Review Checklist of this great fantastic film. All right, gentlemen, prepare yourselves. Number one. Did anyone jump out of a window? A lot of people got shot through windows. Yeah, I don't think anybody jumped out of one. Yeah. Actually, I take that back. Um, Yin Chao Fat, Chao Yin Fat, or whatever his name is, he did dive through a window during one of those gun battles. To um, yes, he did. Yeah, in that initial gun battle, remember when they when they handcuffed Mir Savino when uh, Jurgen uh, Proch now, Proch now, in the yeah. car wash. Yeah, in the car wash, he do- he dove through a window. I mean that 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 defines this particular clip here. You don't remember that? No, I do. Okay. I, I don't remember diving out the window. I, I, I specifically he dove, he dove through a window. Okay. Okay. Wait, I mean that is the classic scene in the movie that everybody talks about. By the way, that yeah. that whole car wash scene. Okay. Good. Just just so we're on the same page because yeah. I was waiting for. Uh, all right, number two. I, I do have to point oh. out that there's that scene where in the initial shootout, Mira Servino goes like, she's trying to get out the back door or whatever, and she goes to the back window, and there's some dude shooting at her. They don't show it, but he, he evidently comes through that window because mm-hmm. he shows up a scene later shooting at her. 
Okay, but I, I think mine supersedes yours. Yeah, it does, and it's superior, and I'm inferior, so yeah, I agree. Okay. Steve wins. Yeah. All right, number two. <laughs> if you want him, come and claim him. Was there a Liv Tyler role in the movie? No. 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 I'm trying to think, was there even another woman in the movie? <laughs> you know what? That's a good question. I think other than Rooker's wife, did I see another woman in the movie? This murder guy got shot in the car. I saw her. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that, well, we have to get to that part. You know, poor, poor civilian that gets caught in the crossfire. And that was brutal. Yeah. Well, it sucks. I mean, there are some movies where civilians are protected, but then we've been running into a bunch where they just aren't. Yeah, well, this one, this one was pretty mild because there's only one. It wasn't like watching, um, what the hell was it, uh, Ronan? Ronan. Where it was, where it was, if you were the camera view, you died. Uh. Oh, so there you go. All right, let's see. Uh, number three. Son of a bitch must pay. Was there a son of a bitch in this movie? And did he pay? There were two, and they both paid. Yeah, actually, they, more than that, but but the two heavies paid. Yeah, they sure did. They sure did. They gave the ultimate. And in fact, like I said, that last scene where where the 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 leader of the of the gang or whatever you would call it, uh, Mister uh, Wee, Mister Wee, again that as opposed to Mister Wu. <laughs> but that to me, I I got a little a little bit of a, a rooftop with uh, uh, Harrison Ford and Rutger Hauer vibe on that, you know. Right. No, I agree. Or, I agree. You know. All right. Let's see. Number four. Oh, was there a Wilhelm scream in this movie? Didn't hear it. Yep, I didn't hear it. it. No, Should have been one. Should have been one. All right, let's see. Next one. Uh, could the female role be better played by Tony Katane? No. I don't know. I think. In when this movie came out, if they had cast Tony Katane, she could have done an adequate job. I agree. I I, I think she could have been an adequate fill-in for this. Well, as you know, she's always an adequate fill-in from my perspective. But, <laughs> um, well, of course. Yes. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, let's see. Number six. Or. Was there a montage in this movie? I don't think there's a montage. I don't but, either. I didn't see one. I didn't see one. But every shootout in this movie was an A-team shootout where massive amounts of automatic weapons fire sprayed everywhere, but only the bad guys died. Well, there's that. I'm not sure that's actually a montage, though. It's not a montage, but the A-Team did that all the time. Yeah, they did. Due to TV censorship issues. Sure. Well, the whole gig with 
Hong Kong action is it's a ballet of death. I mean, it really is. I mean, bullets fly, and it's a dance. It's literally a chore. <clears throat> I mean, Wu, what Wu did in that movie, aside from producing it, he did, he choreographed the fight scenes. That's my understanding. <laughs> and when I hear the word choreograph, I'm usually thinking about people doing a waltz or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, guys. Last and certainly not least. And so it begins. All right, gentlemen. Was there a Babylon 5 reference in this movie? I haven't been able to find it. Ken? I always defer to the professionals on this matter. All right, gentlemen, brace yourselves. Oh because, my God! Yeah, well, you know what? There's a there's a certain person that um, you know don't want to mention any names. Co-founder of the show goes by the initials of JF or Jam. He um, usually has a database and just can come up with anything. But you know what? He's not here. Because he's a uh, he's a red shirt now. But by JM, are you referring to Jerry Mathers, the beaver? <laughs> the beef. N- not not pointing out anybody in particular, Ken. Just saying. All right. Well, Harry, you know what? Uh, because the uh, the duty has fallen to me, and I'm sure there are might be a couple others out there. But I saw him immediately. I. I it was like this one dude in the background, like, boom, guys from B5. Uh, Patrick, kill Patrick. Because you can't be Irish enough without two first Irish names, right? Uh, he played Price. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. he was, um, he was in, he was one of the thugs in the background, but he also was in season three of Babylon 5 as Robert Carlson, who played the psycho demolition guy. Who was going to blow up all B five because he had access to the fusion mob, and this dude? It when you see him, you've seen him in a ton of movies. He's mm-hmm. a character actor. He always plays a douchebag, crazy dude, psycho dude, or whatever. Classic character actor. Awesome dude. Like him, but yeah, Patrick Kilpatrick. Yeah, he was in that for early scene. Uh, yes, no, I know who you're talking because when I saw him. It clicked in my head that I thought I'd seen him in B five, but I yep. didn't make the connection. Yeah. Remember, he had all the he, he kind of had the the shaved head, with uh, he had like the crew coat, with but it was all blonde. Mm-hmm. Yep, that was him. So there you go, Muncie. I did your job for you. Believe it or not, there's another guy. Oh, holy shit, Brian! He bring did. it. He did. Uh, I can't think of his name. I found it a minute ago. He does stunts. Uh, oh. he did stunt work. B five, but he was in this movie. Hmm. Now I've lost him, but he was okay. All right. Well, see, we always go for. I mean, that's fine, and that and that's actually rubbing a little bit more in, in Jeff because usually if he can't find a main actor, he goes for like the stunt dude or the best boy or the key grip <laughs> or something like that, just so he can the the guy that manned the pizza table exactly. But you know what? Because he's not here, that's even more ways. To kind of rub it into him. So, Jeff, you know what? We did your job for you. We did it well. And, um, yeah, you're part of the uh, the paychecks coming to us. So, there you go. All right, so that is it with uh, 
<laughs> God almighty. That's why I get for smoking cigars. All right. So that is it with the, that's it with the B5 reference. We are now moving on to the man cave movie review of this great and fantastic film. Steve. Well, actually, it shouldn't be me because, um. Steve. What? I have to do it? No, do what? Oh! This is the second week in a row you just like said, Ken's research is not worth my time and bother. I'm just going to ignore Ken's research into the top movies of 1998. I apologize. I am remiss in my, uh, <clears throat> in my duties. It is now time for the top 10 movies of 98, right? It is. 1998. Ken. 1998 was a, I mean, I remember 1998. I was in the second year of law school. It was a busy time. I, but let's, just like I usually do, instead of jumping straight into the top 10, I'm going to talk just about a few movies that might have been noteworthy that nonetheless did not make it to the top 10. And there's not a lot in 1998. Actually, 1998 was kind of a weird year for movies. Really? Uh, yeah, well, I'm going to say one movie that didn't make the top ten, but nonetheless got a lot of awards, and I actually thought it was a good movie, was a movie called Elizabeth. All about Queen Elizabeth. It starred Kate Blanchett. Yeah, it was, it was okay. Okay, okay. I've been I mean, meaning I, to see it. I, I mean, I, I liked it, but I wouldn't have... Eh. Again, I'm not saying it's awesome, but yeah. it got a lot of awards. Yeah, it was good. Uh, but once you get past that, it's pretty much time to jump right into the top ten. At a number ten, the trailing end of the Lethal Weapon series, Lethal Weapon 4. Uh, this was the one. It had Renee Russo in it. It had Jet Li in his American film debut. Speaking of Hong Kong cinema spilling over into America. Mm. Uh, so like, you know, we think of, you know, to me, Lethal Weapon was, you know, Mel Gibson is a, it was a very successful series, but it died out about 20 years ago. And then since then, Danny Glover's gone crazy. So. <laughs> True. And Mel Gibson's Mel Gibson. Although Mel Gibson, in the past two weeks, Mel Gibson has gotten all kinds of buzz out in the movie world. He's mm-hmm. he, he's putting out good stuff. Tell he's me. putting out good stuff. He's doing a sequel. There, I mean, he, he, all of a sudden, it's like, damn, he's coming back. Well, I'll tell you what, we did get the gringo. Fantastic yeah, movie. Get the green going. Boom. Well, that was, I mean, that was from a few years. Multi-billions in income coming. Yeah. I mean, and, and Get the Gringo was from a few years ago, and that was a fantastic movie. It's I a mean, good movie. Yeah. It was a great movie. So, but he's got a lot, he's got a lot of buzz. Uh, there's a movie he's coming out with this year about uh, a soldier who was a conscious objector, was a medic. Real Axel Ridge. Yes. And the buzz is really, really good on that movie. So. And they're also talking about doing a, a sequel to the, you know, the, uh, what's she, what's the movie, uh, The Passion of the Christ. 
probably what's the sequel going to be? I don't. I I can envision what it is, but we'll see if it turns out to be a movie. Mm-hmm. But no, Hacksaw Ridge is getting lots of good buzz. Mm-hmm. And again, that's that's pure Mel. He put his money and everything else into it. So if it succeeds, he can go to all those people who have been dogging him for years and say, "Suck this, sucker." <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, continue. Which is a good place to be in life. Yeah. At number nine, a movie that I went and saw on a date. <laughs> Shakespeare in Love. Yeah, I've never seen it. It won the Oscar. It did. And it had a good cast. It was Gwyneth Paltrow at Judy Dench, uh, Ben Affleck, Joseph Fiennes, Jeffrey Rush, Colin Firth. Uh, again, it was Shakespeare is in love. It's a hypothetical. What if Shakespeare was in love? A lot of people were pissed that uh, Private Ryan didn't get it that year and Shakespeare in love did. But, Shakespeare in yeah. love won the awards and, and you're not alone. I, I mean, uh, when you say a lot of people, that means him. Well, and me. Yeah. At number eight, a comedy by Eddie Murphy Dr. Doolittle he talked to the animals not memorable never saw it it's surprising to me that it Murphy has had the most unusual career over the 80s and 90s because it's either just an absolute boondoggle or it does okay uh, but there's no middle ground. No, I think it might have been like the, the next movie he did after this might have been Pluto Nash. <laughs> I almost saw. Thank God I didn't. <laughs> I saw it on cable. I'm like this. I kept thinking like this would be a great movie to take the kids to. And I read the reviews. They're like, run, do not go near this movie. <laughs> uh, Pluto Nash was pretty bad. And number seven, a movie which a lot of kids did see, Mulan, the Disney movie set in ancient China. And number six, and I got to step back and say that 1998, I, I still remember this, that the summer of 1998 was the first time in my life we had dueling Mass Extinction Asteroid movie. This was the better of the two. At number six was Deep Impact, which was the better of the two. Yes. It was, was the serious one. It had, you know, Robert Duvall, Morgan Freeman, you know, cast of thousands. Tia Leone before she left David Duchovny because of his sex addiction. Steve, Lily Sobieski. Yes. A daughter of the old sod. Mm-hmm. Joseph Cromwell. Here we go. And John Favreau. I mean, this movie had like, it was a cast of dozens. Uh, but you know, again, the whole premise is a giant asteroid is going to hit the earth. Yeah. You have all these little stories about who's going to live, who's going to die. Frodo had, was had in daddy that. daddy issues. Frodo Baggins was in that. He was. Actually, he was one of the leads. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Deep Impact, I saw it. Basically, I'm a sucker for end of the world movies. Actually, it's, it's, it's okay. Yeah, it's a good movie. I mean, it's, it's a solid movie. It's not like the other, 
the one that you're going to be talking about. But yeah, well, go ahead. Little pieces. I think you guys will agree with me. The reason I went to these movies, hopefully, was I was hoping that one of them would be one-tenth of the movie that a true adaptation of Lucifer's Hammer would be. Yep. No, I, I can't. I almost mentioned that. I thought, you know, nice. that was the closest. Well, well played. For those of you listeners that don't know what I'm babbling about, go out, buy a copy of Lucifer's Hammer by Jerry Purnell yep. and Larry Niven. Nice sci-fi, very 80s, set in the 80s, very 80s, but nonetheless, I, the best end-of-the-world apocalyptic asteroid movie ever made that features mustard gas. <laughs> yes. Except it was a comet, I think, right? It was a comet, but comet, asteroid, whatever. Yeah. But it has lots of mustard gas. <laughs> more mustard gas than most movies would have, but it should have lots. Uh, movies can be improved by more mustard gas. Moving <laughs> <Pretty> on. <laughs> At number five, a, I think this is a great movie. I'm not a man cave movie, but I truly enjoyed it when it came out, which is A Bug's Life. Good movie. Pixar, one of their first movies. If not, was it their first? It's one of their early movies, but just a bunch of bugs. And I'm trying to think, who was who played the voice of the evil bug? <sighs> Kevin Spacey. Is that right? I, I'm just yeah, saying, if, it, if, if it's a cartoon, Kevin, just wake me up till you get the next one. It's a cartoon, lots of good voices. Uh, good story. Would you agree, Brian? Mm-hmm. No, it was, it was it obviously a movie I took the kids to. Uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, very good movie. Uh, yeah, you know, some of the, some of the best films that have come out in the last thirty years have been animated. Yes. No, you, you can be creative in ways that you can't do in regular movies. Uh, at number four, a comedy which I watched just about a month ago. I still laugh when I watch it. There's something about Mary. Beans and Franks. Beans and Franks. When I, again, this was when I was in law school, and one of my classmates who's some, who since has passed on, sadly, tragically, but she organized a group to go see that movie, having already seen it. And when the group gathered at the theater, she handed everyone a little packet of hair gel just to <laughs> ready for the movie. At number three, it's not like we don't do this many, many times. We've done it a lot in the past. We'll do it in the future. We've actually done it on this podcast. And what I'm referring to is making fun of Jeff. <laughs> but, you know, Jeff, back in 1998, went, Ken, Ken. You gotta go see this with me. It's awesome. <laughs> I, know. I know what it is. Man. So I went and saw Godzilla, <laughs> the Matthew Broderick Godzilla. What? 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 Jean Renault. Yes. And Hank Azaria. That was number three. It was number three. And we're supposed to take him seriously about monster movies. 
I I just watch that movie going like, you know, and I'll, I'll just get the, I get, you know, okay, Godzilla is a big lizard. Big lizards, okay, they're tough, they're badass, blah, blah, blah. But if you shoot a 105 millimeter round from a, you know, Abrams tank into a big fat monster, it's going down. I just couldn't get over the fact that Godzilla's a girl, but hey. Yeah, Godzilla's a girl. But, you know, they had all these modern weapons and they didn't take down Godzilla. I hate to say it, Godzilla's going down. You, you pump enough high kinetic rounds and chain guns everything else into them they will go down uh, I don't care how fast and how cool Godzilla is it will go down at number two a tragic disappointing number two we'll all agree should have been number one saving private Ryan can't say enough good about it right Rich. it's just incredible yeah. It's a movie I went on a date with. You know, Private Ryan's a great date movie, in case you don't know. What is? Private Ryan? Saving Private Ryan's a great date movie. Now, if you know this, what am I still in terms of status? Single. <laughs> like, that's the kind of movie I take a date to because it may not be a great date, but what the hell? I had a good time watching Nazis get killed. At number one... The second feature of the extinction-level asteroid impact event, Armageddon, with Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck, Billy Bob Thornton, Liv Tyler in a true Liv Tyler role, Steve Buscemi, Owen Wilson, Peter Stromare. Uh, David Keith, Keith David, uh, and on and on and on. That movie taught me a lot about physics, though. It did? Yeah, like how you can spin a space station and that causes gravity, you know. Yeah. Perfect sense to me. Armageddon was, again, very successful commercially in terms of science and physics and reality. It left a lot to be desired. Deep Impact was the better of the two, but it lost. I'll still repeat it. If they would just make Lucifer's Hammer into a movie, true to the script, true to the book, it would be awesome. But they won't because it's Jerry Purnell and Larry Niven. I, I was still shocked though that, that Deep Impact was the sixth movie of the year. I had no idea it did that well. Well, it, I still remember. I mean, th- 1998, I was auditing in the day and going to school at night. I can remember in some town far away, sitting in like a McDonald's or something, reading a magazine. Because back, just so you know, back in 1998, if you want to get like reviews on movies, you read magazines. It was like this bad print on paper with pictures. It was this weird thing. No hyperlinks or anything. Uh, but they were comparing the two and saying which one you should go to. So I went to both of them. I thought they were both solid for what they were, but like ultimately disappointing because no mustard gas. <laughs> well, that was 1998. <laughs> that was 1998 in film. So I'm done. You may carry on, Steve, and ignore me from here on out. 
Thanks, Ken. All right, so that is it with the uh, top ten movies of 1989. We're going to move on to the Man Cave movie review of this great fantastic film. Tell you what, Brian, you really like this show. I, I, gosh, this, well, yeah, I, and I, I'm probably going to talk about this a lot of uh, uh, the same fashion I talked about Road Warrior. Um, okay. You know, this was the first Hong Kong action movie that that I'm aware of that was done, and it and it frankly featured some of the great players and or directors of that genre who who you know who basically came over to do this movie, and uh, I and I would agree with you that that some of the stuff, particularly, the, the, I mean, in all honesty, what really stunk in this movie was, was the sound mixing because you couldn't hear what people were saying. And it wasn't just because they slurred their words or, I mean, it was overpowered a lot of times by that deep bass and things like that. But I, I did like the soundtrack overall. Uh, I liked the cinematography. I liked the feel of it. Uh, it, it. Those movies are action movies. I mean, there's there's not a lot of dialogue. It ain't Shakespeare, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, as a movie just lined up against any other movie, I, you know, seven, six and a half. But as a represent, as a representative of the genre, I, you know, it, it's an eight, you know, uh, easily, because uh, it, it, one it hadn't, no, no one had done it prior to that. Uh, so uh, again, you know, all things mixed in, uh, you know, again, I'll probably say a seven, seven and a half, but, but it, for what it was, and what it was trying to do, it, you know, what it represented, it was, it was it's, I think it's an important movie. Uh, I love Cho Yun Fat. I've always just, you know, I find him very appealing. You're something about the guy's got some kind of magnetism. I thought Sorvino was good in the movie. Uh, Rooker, Rooker, we didn't, we talked about him, but Rooker, I thought, did a fabulous job in the movie. Uh, such, again, such as it was, an action movie. So, again, I'm going to say seven, seven and a half, which is, I'm sure, higher than you guys feel about. So that's where I'm at. All right, Ken, what do you think? Well, I, I have to sort of agree with what Brian said. This was, in its day, it was well, two worlds coming together, uh, two different styles of movies being combined. I've already commented, I like the cinematography. I like the use of color introduced in the scenes. The music, you know, is not that great. Uh, the... The dialogue, you know, it's not a dialogue-driven movie, and then half the dialogue you couldn't understand because it was overlaid with music or sounds or things like that. Uh, a thing that kind of bothered me all through the movie is it's, it's one of these, you know, you know, the bad guys are all from the, you know, the stormtrooper school of marksmanship. I mean, no matter how many bad guys we go up against, it's like, ho-hum, okay, another dozen guys are going to die. Okay, they die. Move on. That was kind of, but you know, that was annoying, but it was also true to the source. I mean, Hong Kong cinema, I've, I've watched enough Hong Kong movies over the years, that's that's what happens to bad guys. Bad guys don't do well in Hong Kong cinema. Mira Servino, I mean, she's attractive, but I didn't buy her as this total badass character they're trying to make her out to be. And if she was that total badass, I mean, how, how does some, you know, 110 pound chick be a total badass? I mean, these guys should have kicked her ass. Danny Trejo could have kicked her ass. I know that for a fact. And I gotta say, Danny was underutilized 
But then again, back in 1998, he was sort of just some extra sort of showing up. So, uh, I kind of, I was kind of excited when I saw he was in this movie, but then when I saw it, I was like, okay, well, yeah, okay, he's just sort of a generic heavy. This was before Danny became Danny, if that makes sense. Having said all that, if I've got to give it a review, a rating, I'm going to give it a, I'll give it a six. I liked it. Didn't love it. Didn't hate it. It was just sort of right in the middle there. Uh, I think that listeners, if you haven't, if you're looking for an, you know, an action movie with a little bit of history, historical significance, and some, uh, Hong Kong, you know, artistry, John Woo elements, give it a shot. I mean, I don't think you'll be disappointed, but I wouldn't go into it with super high expectations. Well, I'll tell you what, Ken, you know, good points. I mean, it's, it's a fun action movie. And I think, ooh, what was that? I don't um, know. I think so. that was my pacemaker. I think. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I I think that I think we're looking at this with some dated eyes, and it, yes, we are. It, it is. It's it's dated eyes. We're looking at it with because, and I mentioned numerous times throughout the show, it reminded me of something from the early to mid-80s, and this is maybe 20 years ago versus maybe 30, 35 years ago, and and that's what really kind of drew me out. Um, not a lot of dialogue, great action. I mean, I mean, gunfight scenes, all that stuff, awesome. But outside of that, I mean, you know, we've seen the plot before, we've seen the story before, and... And, and, I, and the bad part is, you know, from my standpoint, I'm looking at this through, um, again, dated eyes. I've seen this stuff before, and it just doesn't hold up. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I've seen better. I mean, to be honest, I've actually seen better from that period. I'm going to give this a six and a half. Sorry, Brian. Don't hate no, me. I kind of expected that based on what you guys have said. Yeah. I mean, it's good, and and just saying. I mean, I think Sir Mira Savino pretty much held up. I mean, she was kind of a tough girl. I mean, just couldn't say it right off the bat. She's no Mila. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I could start making me, me too comments I mean, that Jeff would make. Mila but. Mila would have even needed, you know, yeah. fat young child or whatever. <laughs> You know, she would have just cleaned the whole room. Just, just saying. Mila, let's see, 1992 Mila? No, this is 98. 1998 Mila was coming off of Dazed and Confused. No, no. She would have been like 19. No, no, no. Yeah. She wasn't 19. She was like 20 something when she did, uh, 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 um, Fifth Element. She was like 20 or 21. Really? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I I just remember going to see Mila. I I remember Days and Confused. That was supposed to be her first movie. No. And that was around this time. She was born in 1975. So 19, okay, she was 23 when this movie came out. Okay, maybe she could pull it off. (laughs) What the hell? I'm not going to argue the middle of Hope of Hope. It's trivia. 
The defense. I don't get the attraction. I mean, <laughs> the Polish, she's Ukrainian. I mean, she's I Russian. She's not Ukrainian. Ukrainians, but that's ancient history. We, we we all have our peccadillos, and that is Steve's. And I'm just giving up trying to argue it anymore. <laughs> and the defense rests, Your Honor. <laughs> right. So there you go. Holy shit! How did how did this show end up this way? You know why? Because I've got Roni and Miller on the same show. No one else is here to keep us in control. I there blame you. you. <laughs> I've been pretty sedate. What are you talking about? <laughs> he hasn't even mentioned one busty because there were no attraction because there were no busty women in theater this. in the backwoods in 1979. Uh, because there were none to be seen in this movie. So, all right, there you go, folks. That is it with the Man Cave movie review of this great and fantastic film. Uh, guys, I just want to give a couple of quick shout-outs for all of you that are you know, commenting on the Facebook page. Again, really appreciate it. Give us some, uh, give us some more feedback. And uh, our apologies for uh, not getting a show up. <clears throat> In the, in the time frame, but you know, holidays, everything, we do a show every other week. But, uh, we hope you're going to enjoy this show. And, uh, like I said, give us some more feedback. And, uh, for those of you who have given us recommendations, we do take them under advisement. So, uh, send us some more. Uh, so anyway, that is it with the Man Cave Move Review, episode 189. Man. 11 shows away from Zardoz. It's not like I'm counting down or anything. But anyway, I, I'm, I, I, well, I've learned I, I need to scrub my basement floors that day. You know, whatever you need to do. But you know what? The, the show will go on. If I have to talk to myself on that one, I will. Trust me. I, I, I watched it at 2 o'clock to 4 a.m. Saturday morning. <laughs> Was I drunk? Yes. Was I? <laughs> But I watched it. Brian, you lead a sad, sad <laughs> existence. Well, you know what's more sad? The fact that I actually have it saved on uh, DVD, or I've got on Blu-ray and digital. So, I think you guys will be surprised at my evaluation of that movie. I, I you know what? You might, I, you might be surprised by mine. But anyway, all right, so 11 away from Zardoz, and uh, okay, so stay tuned for us next week, well, not next week, but when we come back, probably a week from now, we'll be talking about another great and fantastic film. So until then, check us out at our website at mancavemoviereview.com, and look for us on iTunes at Man Cave Movie Review. Leave us a comment and tell us if you liked the show or did not like it. Look for us on Facebook at Man Cave Movie Review. Give us a like, share us with your friends, or warn them away from us. Depends on what you feel about us. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Man Cave Movie. So until next show, I am your host, Steve Michaels, signing off with my very good dear friend, Ken. Where's my passport? Ronnie. I'm on record as saying that most movies can be improved by getting rid of the cute little kids in them. But this movie actually benefited by not getting rid of the cute little kid. Oh, thank God they didn't do that. The wow. boy will die, kid. The boy <laughs> will die. <laughs> All right. And also saying farewell, I'll do it. Uh, Vieta Zayn is our other very good dear friend, or our special guest, the Reverend Deuteronomy Skaggs. Countdown to Sardos, that's all i got to say. <laughs> <laughs>
We need, uh, uh, to quote this movie, I'll need guns. <laughs> you will, and you know what? There's going to be a big head chucking out guns. All the guns you need. Just say <laughs> The penis is bad. <laughs> no, the penis is evil. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, folks. If you do like gun porn, this is actually, I mean, I mean, if you want to just count down the firearms, I mean, we, I don't think we have time for it. There's a wide variety of these movies. Yeah, I think they pulled out every armament that, that was there. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys about what, what kind of gun was pulled out early on. I mean, it was some kind of assault, but I don't know what it was, but it was a monstrously big gun. All right, there you go, folks. That is it with the Man Cave Movie Review, episode 189. Uh, check us out next time. Until then, ciao.